Hey kids, and welcome to Do the Kids Know. Uh, that is this podcast where we talk about, oh God, race, media, pop culture, and politics in Triple K Canada. Hi, I remembered. Um, as you can tell, I'm not reading from a script and therefore I have no idea what we're doing today, but it'll be fun times. In case you don't know who I am, oh God, <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Kristen, and on my screen is my good friend, Prakash. Hello. Sip. Um, today we are going to develop this topic as we speak because I have things on my mind, on my chest, uh, that could do with some discussing with a friend. So that's what we're going to do today. But first, our fun little, uh, rude game. Do you have a read that CoStar gave you this week, uh, that you would like to share with the kids? (laughs) Yes, I'm reading it live. Let's see, um, what, what I was told this week. This one is rude. It just says from Sunday, it just says, less thinking, more doing. Oh, whoa, whoa. But you're already doing so much. How can you do more? I know. I'm tired. You can't do more. I don't know how long and how many times I've said the phrase, team, do less. For real. It's a manifestation. uh, I'm trying trying to like the secret it, (laughs) you know, like speak it into existence because I am doing anything but less. Honestly. I guess that means more. I've been doing more. (laughs) (laughs) You've been doing Uh, so much more that you've had to tell people no, which is a foreign concept to you. Truly, yeah. I'm on my Shonda Rhimes year now. Like, (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) But are you really? Because we're at the end of 2021 and we've been in Team Do Less all year. (laughs) I know. Well, now, well, listen, I think, I think, (laughs) I think the podcast is what really suffered from Team Do Less because now we're like abandoning scripts. (laughs) We are like the editing is haphazard. It is what it is. Um, well, like, do you po- remember? New podcast name, Raw Thoughts. Uh, ew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. Do not co-sign. No. Hey, y'all. And welcome to Raw Thoughts. No, why where did you do that? Chris and I just be raw talking and raw dogging discussions on oh, race, media, wow. pop culture in Canada. <laughs> wow. Never again, Okay. <laughs> No. That's the that's the OnlyFans version of uh, this podcast. <laughs> oh my god, ew. No, I don't and like we do it. it. We do it in, in lingerie. Do you own lingerie? No. See? I could get some though. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like me in a full body like um uh onesie or something. I do own some onesies. They're comfortable. Anyway, I'm so sorry. What was your <laughs> what was your co-star read this week? <laughs> Before I talk about my co-star read, I just want to take us back to our original intention for this podcast, which was just supposed to be us be two people talking, and then we put it out there on the internet. So, like, we're just going back to our roots is really what it is. Yeah, I don't know who we thought we were trying to do research as if we're academics, which we... Which we are? I'm confused. Are. <laughs> as two people who went from being students who are now university employees... <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I hate us. Why? <laughs> I mean, I'm tangentially, I'm not actually a university employee. I'm tangentially connected to somebody who is. You are fully one of the governing people on a um, university funding committee. Shit. So. <laughs> oh my God. I'll never forget. <laughs> Kristen is screaming into the floor. Um, yeah. Okay, but like, actually, how did I forget that? Because I literally missed a meeting yesterday because life got in the way. 
know how you're going to forget that because I applied for funding from the organization. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that yeah. I potentially could have been on the selection jury for, but said no. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're going to move on. We're going to move on because I'm doing too many things. Oh, how did CoStar read me this week? Yeah, I can do today. So today at 1048, CoStar told me, stop trying to fit your feelings into a one-size-fits-all box. And I said, that's rude. I, okay. Uh, that goes hand in hand with my sister and my sister's therapist continuing to tell me to feel my feelings. And I hate it. Hold on. Why is how why and how is your sister's <laughs> therapist telling you how to feel? Uh, the therapist isn't telling me. The therapist is telling my sister, who is then telling me. And so she wouldn't be telling me if not for the therapist. And so the therapist is telling us both. But the advice is for your sister. Well, yes. But uh, we think and don't think the same. And therefore, the advice that is good for her is also good for me. But good is relative because we both hate it. What's our topic today? <laughs> I can't engage this any further. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, so, like I said, the topic today isn't a real topic in that, like, I haven't actually researched. It was not what was on our topic list, but it is what we are going to talk about today because I've been feeling it in my spirit and it's been making me very upset. Um, but like background upset, something that I haven't been able to acknowledge. But Patrice Cullors, who's one of the founders behind the Black Lives Matter movement, posted a series of tweets that uh, get to the heart of, I think, what has been bothering me. And so that's where we're going to start today. So in a series of tweets, she says, we're in the great regression. After any large uprising that challenges systems comes a coordinated attack on the movement. And after that, a regression back to the status quo. Since last summer's uprisings, right-wing groups have launched so many disinformation and misinformation attacks meant to confuse and discourage folks. They do this to see distrust surrounding anyone they see as a messenger or a threat, and it's working. Since last summer's uprisings, corporations, organizations, and politicians that pledged their commitment to challenging racist structures and uplifting Black voices have been silent. Since last summer's uprisings, celebrities and influencers who pledged to listen, learn, and act have also gone silent or distanced themselves from the conversations they promised to continue. Our work and movement must remain diligent. If we want to end white supremacy, patriarchy, and this punitive system, we have to stay engaged, stay aware, stay focused. Mm. I'm nodding my head. Mm-hmm. And so the thing for me that this really hit on is like the true just discrepancy between where people were in social justice understandings and movements and education at the beginning of 2021 and where they are now at the end of 2021. It's, it bothers me. <laughs> it really bothers me. Because there's so, many, there's so many reasons for it that like people are able to continue to ignore all of these concepts in a way that they had been before last summer. And the fact that it took a year for them to be able to go back to the status quo and go back to ignoring these social issues and go back to like my little bubble of privilege is good enough for me and I don't need to care about other people outside of my bubble angers me 
a little bit. <sighs> yeah, it. I think I feel very similarly. And it's like one of those disappointed but not surprised situations. Yeah, but I want to be surprised. Like, I don't. And this is like, I think also why, like, I'm grappling with my feelings about this, because I am a pessimist and a realist. And so, like, I don't expect anything from anyone so that everything that they give me is a surprise. And yet I'm annoyed (laughs) and I'm angry and I'm surprised that so many people have been able to and allowed to not continue the things that they've committed and pledged to doing. Like I would, not that I actually want this, but I, I do kind of want to go back to being annoyed by the white people who are tangentially connected to me asking me about social justice things and black things and racism things because they don't have another black person to turn to. Like I know that they are no longer asking me for those things because they're no longer thinking about those things because they don't have to because they're back to their status quo. Meanwhile, I am still a black woman trying to navigate all these systems of oppression that are affecting me every day and nobody gives a fuck anymore and it's really frustrating because they didn't give a fuck before and then they pretended to give a fuck and we were all like don't be performative in your fucks actually do something about your fucks and they were like we will we will do this and it took them a year before they went back to not doing anything so now they're not even being performative they're just not doing anything (laughs) which is frustrating uh listen i told y'all last year i'll tell y'all again dei is a scam (laughs) it is but pay me to help your dei yeah i can do that Uh. Yeah, and 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 this this is why it's a scam, is because it's work that, you know, in theory, people were really gung ho about, really interested in engaging with, in twenty twenty, and particularly in the summer of twenty twenty. Like the reasons why I feel that this, like, do you seen such a like a regression in people's interest in doing work of anti racism, particularly anti black racism. It's because the foundations of the work that people engaged in at the beginning or at, during 2020 were not the kind of work that lent itself toward long-term or structural or really even like really deep intrapersonal change. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, I read Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility. Like, great. How are you going to apply that in your life? <laughs> a book about racism written by a white woman. Hmm. And of course, that was the number one selling book. Of course it was. Because, okay, see, and then of course it was. Because they, at the same time that they're like, I'm willing to do this work, they're also not willing to truly be uncomfortable as they do that work. And that's why it cannot be sustainable. That's why it doesn't ever go beyond, I'm going to read this book. Because you have to actually do something after you read the book. You have to actually Mm. internalize the book. You have to actually think about the internal biases that you have and the privileges that you have and the ways that that mean that you oppress other people. It means you have to sit in your discomfort for a period of time before you can actually do something. And there's just so much more work that comes with social justice that people told us they were going to do. And it didn't even take 12 months before the pessimists like me were proven correct. I think for me, one of the first like red flags that this was like never going to take place or never going to take hold was when the November election, November 2020 election in the United States, when once again, majority of white women voted for Trump after having spent the last like, you know, five months allegedly reading and educating themselves about 
mm-hmm. racism and then continue to choose like the more racist of the two racist parties. Because they will, until you are willing to be in a state of sustained discomfort and be uncomfortable while you work through your internal biases, you will always choose what makes you more comfortable. Always. Especially for white women who have grown up in a Western society that has coddled them from the beginning, while also teaching them that they don't have agency from the beginning. So on the one hand, they can weaponize their tears and they can weaponize their emotions because as soon as they do that, everybody is supposed to care for them. But on the other hand, they don't actually have the energy and sustainability to do anything because they're women. And if they don't sit in even just the discomfort of that, how can they sit in the discomfort of the racism that they are unintentionally perpetuating by being comfortable in a system that was built for white men? And I'm sure that we've talked about it before on this podcast, about how a lot of the roots of white feminism and a lot of white feminist ideology has really just been about having the same, for white women to have the same privileges and power of white men, mm-hmm. and not for actually disrupting the structures of patriarchy, mm-hmm. of white supremacy, of capitalism, that had fundamentally oriented our society such that white men held all the power and privilege. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, in terms of the sort of, like, failure for a lot of people of really embodying anti-racist principles, the work of anti-racism within their organizations in which they work, within their schools, within their homes, has really been because people think, I think this is, like, not particularly to, like, white women or white people or, you know, I think this is a phenomenon really across the board including and especially in academia, that by reading about other experiences, by reading about theory, or by reading theory, or by like the work of quote-unquote education, that by being educated, this alone will allow for systemic or structural change. <laughs> and let me just like rewind back to my rant on that first episode of season three, like a month ago now. When I told you all then, that that was not true, that that was not going to work. It was never going to work. Because while education is an important very first step, because you can't change, or like you don't know what you don't know. And so education will help you realize what it is that you don't know. But then reading will not be the way through which transformative action takes place. And I'm sorry for everyone who like loves reading, but I'm not sorry it can't for be the be-all end-all. No, they need to do something with the things that they have read. Reading gives you new knowledge and you need to do something with that new knowledge. That's that's the piece that's missing. And so I think like, you know, people are probably going to ask like, okay, what is it now? I read it. I understand that anti-racism or the anti-black racism is a thing. I get it. This country has been bad to the coloreds. But now what do you want me to do, Kristen? What do you expect me, um, Jean-Francois, Okay, Jean-Francois, go talk to all your other little white friends and your white Quebecois friends and get them on the same page as you so that they are not unintentionally 
enact doing racist acts and microaggressions on the black people and the brown people and the Asian people that they interact with on a daily basis. Interrupt all instances of racism that you see. Interrupt all instances of sexism that you see. Interrupt all isms that you see because you, Jean-Francois, I'm assuming is a white French man, uh, are in a position of power. And therefore you doing that takes the onus off of the individual who is being oppressed to correct the form of oppression that is being enacted on them. You, Jean-Francois, organize events with your friends where you can, you know, organize a book club with all your little French keb friends where you'll talk about books and these theories and these ideas so that you can enact that knowledge so that all of them can then enact that knowledge so that we are now spreading the things that you have read instead of them just sitting in your body. Talk to your friends when you feel uncomfortable about something that you have done or this new knowledge that you have learned so that you can all be uncomfortable together and learn it together and don't have to ask your one black friend or your one brown friend about their opinion on this uncomfortable feeling that you have. Do something with your discomfort. When something makes you uncomfortable, think about why. Think about the things that are in you that you have learned, that you have internalized, that you need to stop doing. Do something with your guilt, because I'm sure that that makes you feel bad, and I'm sure that you hate that the society is this way, but do something with the guilt that you feel. Donate your money to organizations on the ground who are doing the work of trying to no longer replicate these oppressive systems. Just do things. Give people who are not you money. Talk to people who are like you to get them to stop thinking the way that you used to think or the way that you still think sometimes but are trying not to think that way. But don't just read a book and be like, wow, that book was hard. Oh my God, I understand so much more now. Share that understanding with other people. Share your wealth with other people who are not like you, who are more marginalized than you, who are more oppressed than you. And then you can start to make a change. Hard agree for all of those, um, all the suggestions. And because I think too, what has been maybe one of the, the kind of like issues I think that people have been facing in terms of doing this work or continuing the work over time is this idea that, you know, the work that we produce, especially those people who are working in around, it might not be anti-racism, but around like social activism, people in the nonprofit industries, people in academia, artists, whatever, um, people who are already kind of like within this like realm of like needing to be socially conscious or people who like heard this, you know, maybe for the first time, the royal like call to do the work of anti-racism in 2020, 2021. And we're like, wow, okay, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a difference. And I think that there is seemingly this pressure to do things that are public, that are visible, that show, hi, I, I know something. I, I did the thing. So this could be posting a black square on Instagram. This could be forming an anti-racism committee at your workplace or a diversity committee. This could be reading a book, doing a book club one time. And there's nothing wrong, really, in theory, with doing any of these things. But the issue is that they don't lend themselves into long-term action. Mm-hmm. And this is how I'm going to break down, or like how I'm suggesting like breaking down, thinking about working towards transformative social action. Mm-hmm. So the first level is the individual. So you yourself need to like know where the issues lie, what the issues are, and like what is your role in the ecosystem of these issues. 
So for, for instance, racism, like you need to understand that racism exists on multiple levels. It's not just being hate crimed. It is all these other things that we have talked about ad nauseum many times before. Mm. And I think people then want to jump into this next echelon or like a really high echelon of like, okay, but now how will I transform the country? I'm going to like march with BLM. There are so many steps between I've read this book and the country is different now. They're they're just, whoa. I know that that leap is huge. There are many steps in between, but I think that there isn't really a clear articulation of what these steps are. And then people get lost and then they like get confused and then they stop. Mm. So I think what you mentioned about like Jean-Francois or like blank, anyone, you listener listening in. Also, sorry if you're listening and your name is (laughs) Jean-Francois. No one listening is named Jean-Francois. I can almost, I can promise you that. If that is the case, I will like, I don't know, donate a hundred dollars in, back into this podcast, <laughs> or like, I don't know, Patreons. Like, if I, if you're Jean-Francois and you're listening, and you can prove to me that you like screenshot your like that's your government name, your thing that's your government name. Like, no, no, it's not screenshot your passport, but like screenshot like your Spotify or whatever. However you listen to this, like you know, I want to see that that écoute whatever beside the podcast, and I will like. Donate a hundred dollars to an organization of the Patreon stories. All right. This comes out in February. You have until April. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got to put a cap on that. It's not like ten yeah. years from now. Jean Francois is like, hey, you owe an organization a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. I will. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. I will up, up until three Jean Francois. If there are three different Jean Francois who get incentivized by April, meaning I listen to this episode. Give a hundred dollars to an organization. I will do. I'll do up to three, three hundred dollars up to three. Jean Francois. That's my commitment <laughs> to to my <laughs> my assuredness <laughs> that there are no Jean Francois who are listening. Um, because I feel like everyone who listens are people that I know and I don't know any Jean Francois. I mean, I thought that, but then we did that poll on Instagram, and there were a lot of people we didn't know who did. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, completely. It's Saskatchewan, and that's not where. Yeah, <laughs> that's not where John Francois live. I'm assuming. That good point. Anyway, this has been a tangent. So going back to my, you know, my uh, my yes, echelon tears, yes. situation, the tears. So I think what you mentioned was is like really care as like a low tier past mm-hmm. the self education phase mm-hmm. is the really like micro sort of like not public community work of being like hey who is in my immediate community aka your like close family and friends maybe your coworkers, depending on your work situation and how comfortable you are with them mm-hmm. because yeah it's like maybe you had the time the resources the energy the literacy skills to read a book like white fragility or read angela davis or robin maynard or whoever but that is not the case for everybody and that's mm-hmm. like not anyone's fault so I mean, some people choose not to. Yeah. Some people choose ignorance. Yeah. But <laughs> a lot of people, like, just, you know, for whatever reason, are not able to do, to do this. We're recording this before the holidays. I know this comes out after. But the holidays is often, like, a fraught time for a lot of people having to deal with their, like, family members who might be a little bit ignorant when it comes to certain political issues. And that can be a very tough situation. And I advocate doing what you need to do to take care of yourself, first and foremost. But... If you're really interested in doing this work, and especially if you're white, but other people too, you really do, in my opinion, have some form of obligation or responsibility to do the difficult work of engaging with these people who are maybe a little bit further to the right than you are. Because if you don't do it, 
then they're going to enact violence and oppression on some unsuspecting person who they will definitely not listen to about the violence and oppression that they have enacted. Because it's really easy to like, you know, get together with like your good friends who probably all have the same, because like, you know, you choose to be friends, Mm -hmm. the friends that you have. You have less of a choice about the people who are in your family and the people Mm -hmm. who are in your other kinds of operational environments, like a workplace. But yeah, if you are not going to be the one who reaches out to them, it's unlikely that they're going to have another point of access. And that is that those are conversations that can be very difficult, that can be very uncomfortable. But again, like Kristen said right at the beginning, like it's about sitting in that discomfort and working with and through it. Because me and Kristen, you could share this episode with them with your like great aunt Helen or whoever. She is not going to care. Mm-mm. If she won't listen to you, her like blood, you think she's going to listen to two black and brown people tell her she needs to be better? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh. That's funny. You're telling me that there, that there are two there are two brown queers in this in this here iPhone, right? I need to listen to what they say. <laughs> what? Why? Yeah. Yeah. So, moving past the levels that we have established, what's next? So yeah, you've done the interpersonal work. You start doing this like micro community interpersonal work, and I think here too, like this is also sort of like the tier in which donations come into play. Mm-hmm. And we've talked again one of these things we've talked a lot about before that philanthropy exchanging of money is not going to be the way forward, but it is a way to do this work of support when you don't have access to it. So because one thing I'm not into is like people out of the woodwork, which happened to both you and I, uh, Kristen, you and I, um, at the onset of the BLM resurgence, being like, hey, Prakash, uh, Kristen, I mean, this didn't happen to me, but this happened to you, being like, do you, do you want some money? <laughs> Uh, are you are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? Let me know of this. Let me yes. know if there's anything I can do for you. It's like you didn't do anything um, for me before. Why would you do something for me now? A lot of these things for me is more just like, oh no, like where can I learn more about racism or whatever? And I'm like, okay. And then hence the podcast. Um, truly, this is how the, how this came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast is the book I've been meaning to write, <laughs> <laughs> but I hate writing and I can't read. So um, uh, I hate writing. Says the person who just graduated with a written thesis from Concordia, but okay. <laughs> I told you I wrote the thesis and I lost my ability to read and write. Like I am, I am, I am illiterate now. I can only do audio. <laughs> but I think this leads us into the next year, where I think that the financial contributions are important, not only because of the the exchanging of money, but because this idea of supporting without like being the face of or without mm-hmm. taking over, mm-hmm. because when you are financially donating, you become a silent partner in the activities of an organization in which you have no decision-making power, you have no opportunity to, like, harm anybody, but you are contributing something that is going to help people who know what they're doing, people who are experts in these fields of community organizing, of doing anti-racism work, of being able to, like, engage with pushing progressive policy. This is a way of doing that work, of like supporting that work without having to you yourself try to, because again, I mentioned that very top tier of doing that like big national level infrastructural change making work. Like you, as someone who is like way down here in these tiers, someone who's new to this work, are not going to be able to get there in one year. But I think, I think also this is probably part of the the problem of like journalism being like, no, no, nothing big changed in the past year. BLM was a failure. It's None like of those actually, words, but I feel. it wasn't. 
it's still continuing. It's not. This is a long game. This has been yeah. a long game. This is. This didn't start last year. This exactly. has been. This has. This has been going since time. Because mm-hmm. I think too, there is like so much. At least this is why I saw a lot of like eagerness for a lot of these organizations, nonprofits, or organizations, universities to be like, here we are doing this work in solidarity with. But I'm like, but are you like, are you giving any of your financial dollars to these grassroots organizations? Mm-hmm. Like, it's great that you're having all of these like panels and speakers and those people are getting honoraria hopefully and that's great but like in terms okay, of people who are doing the fact you had to say hopefully because we can't guarantee that everybody was getting honoraria is like oh I'm very upset you can continue I just I had to and if those honoraria are not generous <laughs> you're still doing it wrong yeah. um, just the, the benchmark is so low <laughs> it's so low so low and yeah it's like I understand too that like with how capitalism is oriented in this country, it is not easy to be able to like donate your time to like go to that BLM office and turn and be like, hi, like what can I do? How can I help? Mm-hmm. But there are ways you can do this work still by like, yeah, financially supporting. Also, going back to going back one more tier. Or like, okay, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna like renumber these tiers. Okay. So tier zero is is, is education, mm-hmm. right? Baseline. Tier one, you talk to your friends, your family, and be like, yo. Um, racism is not it. Tier two, maybe up, up the into a little bit, you know, your coworkers, where there's a little bit more risk involved. Be like, hey, manager, like, or like, hey, we need to discuss why there are no people of color in positions higher than middle management. Why is this? Mm-hmm. Or like, everyone we've hired this year has been white. Mm-hmm. Like, or there are no black folk, or there are no queer folk, whatever, like, or there are no people with like multiple identities or whatever, like multiple uh, marginalized identities, like, that that is like one small level of institutional structural critique that might have like long term ramifications. Mm-hmm. Hopefully for the better for the organization, but puts you at like a little bit of risk, maybe depending on who you are. But again, again, this theme of sticking with the difficult, uncomfortable feelings and and couple W work. Mm-hmm. The next year, financial contributions, silent support. If you can go to like the march of the purchase or whatever, like. Those are, those are all great. Those are definitely great because your body, people will, people, police will think twice about doing violence against. They yeah. Like literally you should others. be there to shield other people. Yeah. That'd be nice. Thank you. I'm not telling you to get shot, but I'm telling you to like literally just like <laughs> you're. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm me- like metaphorical shield. Like if, if there, if there's a large group of white people, they're not going to be faced with the same hostility as a large group of brown people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is what I'm trying to say. Yes. But, but, if you do see bullets, you best believe that I'm pulling you in front of me. But you're taking the bullet for me. But it's also that <laughs> if they do, they will get better health care than you would. So, is that bad? I don't got insurance. Yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> I just, I don't know. <laughs> but even if you had insurance, nurses and doctors oh, will the take service. better yeah, care yeah, yeah, yeah. of a white yeah, yeah, body than they would a black or brown one. Uh, throw back to medical racism because we, talk, we talked about it on we this did, podcast. We did. Anyway, uh, continue <laughs> the next tier. Next tier. I think. I think once you have put your body on the line, then and only then do I, Prakash, <laughs> give you permission to talk to people of color. <laughs> I don't. I don't like until you've taken all these steps to do this work by yourself. Do not approach me about how to do the work of anti-racism or how you can like support me as an individual or like ask or like, you know, and this is like, 
and I'm sure this like is so much more acute of an issue when it comes to issues of blackness, anti-blackness, anti-black racism, like, you know, but before you approach your black coworker being like, hi, how can I help you? You need to have done all these steps first. Like, I also don't, I don't co-sign approaching your black coworker. I'm so sorry. No, no, because, <laughs> okay, my, my addendum, because if you have done all these things and you do them comfortably and without recognition, without secret recognition, they should have been able to come to you. And if they have not come mm-hmm. to you, don't leave, leave them alone. Yeah. What you can do is intervene in situations. Yes. Uh, racism. Yes. Fuckery, bullshit, and hate crimes. Exactly. See that we will. We, if I can say we and speak for all black people, I can't. Um, so I'm going to speak for myself. Um, those are situations where I appreciate the white person who has intervened, and then I know that white person's okay. And then potentially when other racist things happen, or if I need to vent about a racist thing that has happened at work, I know that I can come to you. You don't need to self-declare to me. Your actions will speak louder than your words. But if you do not do the work that goes into what, however many levels Prakash has laid out, your actions cannot speak because they will be the wrong ones. Exactly. I think especially in terms of like solidarity organizing amongst uh, Black folk and amongst indigenous folk, there is sort of like this like desire that you need to be in conversation or need to do things for these people. And that is not the case. Nope. You can you can do a lot of this work. That is still steeped in the very racism that we're trying to get you to unlearn. Yeah, again, there were at least five tiers, five steps that I mentioned where you're doing the work of support without bothering anybody, without mm-hmm. without putting in your, like without interfering with the life and operations of people of color. Mm-hmm. And see how these steps are all very small and all mm-hmm. steps that you can continue to do year after year mm-hmm. after year after Sustainable year. Sustainable action. Because they're not tied to writing a statement for your workplace or for just making a committee, assigning the task of anti-racism to five people and living it at that. Like, see how these steps make you personally involved? And there's no there's no end date. There's no, like, expiration. There is no, like, time-sensitive nature of this. You can donate it at any time. You can read at any time. You can talk to your family at any time. You can intervene in racist situations at any time. And not just racist situations, all of the situations. All of them. And it can be, again, like racism multi-levels, right? This is what mm-hmm. we talked about the sub-zero. If you're in a Zoom meeting and then you see that your like, black co-workers have their hand up and no one has called on them yet, or it's like you see someone fully wholesale ripping off of someone else's idea, mm-hmm. you can be like, mm, I think Kristen said that earlier. Or you can be like, well, going off of like Kristen's point... I think that this is a great idea. These are all like really old feminist tactics of like, you know, of finding ways to do this citational like referencing within meetings, within conversations, like attribute knowledge to where you got it from. Mm-hmm. You know, you can drop in a conversation. That, oh, by the way, I was reading Bell Hooks, Rest in Power, and like she has this great articulation of like education as like as a transformative tool. Or I was reading Robin, Robin Maynard's book again, and wow, the police state fucked up. Did you all know this? Like. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, again, many steps before you bother anybody. Mm-hmm. And like many steps that you will continue to revisit and continue to use, like there are skills that you should never put down because like Prakash said earlier, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know all of the things that you need to learn. You don't know all of the things that you've unintentionally learned growing up or in adulthood even and so you need to retrace these steps every time you learn something new. 
sit in the discomfort, learn more about it, talk to other people, talk to your peers about it in a way that gets all of you to the same level of understanding. Because if we all just do better and be better, then there will be less work. Like it doesn't need to be, I think that's the thing. I'm like, you don't need to do this work in the open in a way that means that I can now tick boxes and keep track of how well or not well you're actually being anti-racist. You can just be anti-racist. <laughs> yeah. If 35 million people, like the population of Canada, did these micro actions, it would be a wholly different country. Yeah, it really would. I think that's a great place to end. Thanks for listening to this part two of Allyship, one year later, the retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> year and a half later, I don't know what time is. Uh, time is relative. But we'll see you in two weeks for our next episode where we will have a script maybe. Who knows? We'll Tune see in how to we find feel. out. Yeah. Jean-Francois, <laughs> let me know <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> let Prakash know if he uh, owes some organizations money. <laughs> uh, until then, stay in the know. Bye. Bye. You can find us on these here internets, on the social medias, at the handle Do The Kids Know, or at dothekidsknow.ca. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter at tinyletter.com slash dothekidsknow, and visit our Patreon to show your appreciation with one-time or monthly tips. If you've got questions, comments, or concerns, email us at dothekidsknow at gmail.com. And finally, please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps other kids stay in the know. <laughs>